usually there's a magic number or there's a pain point with the property. Um, I think especially when it's going down to another generation or somewhere where the business plan and business model broke down. Um, Cause a lot of people, as we talk about too, they get into investments without a plan. Yeah. And so then they're not making as much money as they could or should, or had planned on. Um, and, and then the, the property becomes a pain point rather than a, a great cash flow opportunity. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hey, real quick before we get started, first of all, I wanted to thank everybody for joining us on the show and for listening uh, to all my loyal listeners. I really appreciate you, uh, you know, continuing to listen and support the show. If you can go on to iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you listen and subscribe to the show, that would be fantastic. Spread the word too. I'd love to, you know, have this reach more and more people. So if you could share it on social media or, or, or and just talk about it to other people, that would be fantastic. And the last thing is if you can go on to iTunes and give us a rating review, uh, hopefully five stars, that would be great as well. It just helps us spread the word more and it helps us get continue to get uh, really good guests on the show. We've had some fantastic guests and I just want to be able to continue to bring fantastic value to you. Go on to our Facebook page too, Pillars of Wealth Facebook page. And I'd like to hear from, from you as a listener of you know, what you're doing in business, what you've got going on, what you are maybe struggling with or uh, being successful with, and then what we can do on the show to help push you to that next level. Maybe uh, questions we can ask our guests, maybe guests that we can get on the show to talk about certain topics, certain things that are really neat, you're needing uh, some, some extra support with. So provide for us some feedback on Facebook, um, and you can also share this out on, on social media. That would be fantastic as well. I appreciate it. I appreciate you being a, uh, being a either new listener or a loyal listener. I definitely appreciate it. And we will get started with the show. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Hump Day Hustle, the show where we focus on business and real estate as our core pillars of wealth creation. My name is John Stiles with Bridge Realty, and I'm excited for another great episode. Today, we're going to be talking about buying investment properties with the purpose of holding them forever versus buying investment properties with the purpose of selling at uh, maybe five or 10 years down the road, but with the purpose of selling. So with that, our host, of course, is Todd Dexheimer. Todd, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, John. Wonderful. So anything new in your business this week? Yeah, still, uh, still kind of working on that, uh, that larger deal that I got under contract. It's, you know, when you get a deal under an LOI, you want to kind of push that contract off a little bit so you can get, you know, some of the, some of the, uh, kind of the business plan done and get some of your offering materials prepped and get your attorney prepped and, and get some, some of the, the, that stuff kind of done first. So that way, when the clock does start, when you have the PSA clock starts, that you've 
kind of got a head start on it already because it's a tight time frame and this is going to be 45 days to be able to raise all that money or, or right around there 45 to 50 days to raise all that money and it's going to go quick it, it goes really quick so it's nice to have that head start but so we've kind of allowed it to be pushed off and now we're still waiting for this to get signed it's been several weeks now and it's like okay we need to get something completely signed like i said we've got an loi signed but that's it and we've got these contract that's been going back and forth but that's it we don't have it set in stone which makes me nervous um to do obviously the nice thing is i don't have any money out on it yet but um you know we we want it to also to be under completely tied up in our contract um you know, beyond that, just continuing to to work on the the couple properties uh, that are in full fledged renovation and trying to get those stabilized. And it's the it's the winter right now, but spring is going to be here soon, and I really want to have a lot of units ready to be rented um, and start getting those units rented. I feel like we're kind of behind a little bit right now, and I want to get to where we're in a good position when the spring market does start to flood and uh, and hopefully tenants start coming in. I don't wanna be turning people away. And that's the worst is when you don't have, when you're low on occupancy and you don't have units ready and you've gotta turn people away. So, um, so yeah, just doing that. And then uh, I celebrated my hundredth day of not, no junk food and exercising every single day. So I'm pumped about that. Uh, I committed to doing that back in uh, November, mid-November, just exercising every single day and no junk food. And it's been 100 days. Actually, today's day 101. So, Wow, congratulations. It's been good. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not going to even eat a Twinkie today. So we're still good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. That's a lot. Um, so how are you doing on implementing those business plans? Uh, I know you've, you know, leading up to these, you know, big projects, you've got big plans, big aspirations, but we all know that they can break down in implementation. So yep. uh, do you think, are, have you hit some roadblocks or speed bumps or? Yeah, uh, like yeah definitely definitely hit some roadblocks and speed bumps and i wouldn't say roadblocks but speed bumps along the way we we had a contractor on on the first project we thought was going to be a really good contractor and he you know they did okay but um not where we wanted to be they're a little more expensive for the price that we paid i would have expected a lot better results so we ended up letting him go and um, but we were, we were quite a ways behind then. So when that happened, you know, that pushed us into being able to lease all these units at kind of the end of peak season. So it pushed us behind quite a bit. And, and, uh, you know, now we're working at getting caught up that same property. We had quite a few, uh, problems with just deferred maintenance from the old owner that was was hidden from us uh, and that we did not see. So again, really honestly, our fault because, or, or my fault, because I should have done 
further due diligence and, and really looked at everything, but it was some stuff that was missed and, and uh, ended up costing us some extra money. And especially the plumbing has been kind of a challenge for us at that property. Uh, the other property has gone, I would say, a, a pretty well, but again, same thing. The, the construction's maybe not going as fast as I would like. Uh, however, it's been picking up quite a bit lately. Uh, the one thing that happened there that really, you know, kind of put a, a bind into where we're at as far as performance wise is <clears throat> we had a car crash into a building and knocked 12 units out vacant and, and uh, we're still dealing with that. The property's coming back online. It should be all ready to go March 1st, but the insurance is only paying us out through the end of construction, which is March 1st. So we'll have a vacant building, not collecting any income um, for a short period of time. Hopefully we can get it rented pretty quickly. We actually do have some of it pre-leased already uh, for March 1st. So it won't be completely vacant, but it'll hurt our bottom line for a little bit there. So are there hurdles? Absolutely. There's been some you know, interesting things going on at both properties, definitely learning curves at both properties, um, you know, learning how to try to imp better implement strategies. Uh, I've learned, you know, as, as I get every project, it seems like I learn definitely new things and, and try to be more just aware of some of the problems that can happen and try to put that into your underwriting. You know, that, that's the difficult thing about underwriting is, is it's so easy to underwrite to the best expectations and to, tr to then forget about some of the, you know, problems that can come along with these properties and to really try to hedge against those problems. And this, this other, this, the property that I said the car crashed into, we didn't we definitely didn't underwrite for that, but we did underwrite for there being some problems um, up front or some more problems up front than I did on the previous property. I put a larger um, reserve balance down and and this property that I'm working on right now, I've even got a larger reserve balance and even more kind of troubleshooting um, whatever techniques in, in the underwriting. So, yeah. Well, I'm sure you've got some lessons learned about how insurance works when you're dealing with a large um, renovation and, and, and issue that was so ex unexpected. Yeah, you know, my, uh, my on-site manager actually shot us in the foot there because uh, this happened and then the insurance talked to her just a few days later and asked her what the occupancy was. She's like, well, no, there's, we've got like four move outs and blah, blah, blah. And so they took that as we have only eight out of 12 units occupied, which was true after the crash. But before the crash, we had, I think, 10 out of 12. And, and actually just a week before that, we had 12 out of 12. We had just a move, we had two move outs that happened like right before the crash, the insurance company actually deducted us, um, which I, I feel was fairly unfair, but you know, I've been trying to fight that. We're still working on it. Um, but yeah, 
it's uh it just it is what it is yeah okay well you know with that why don't we get into today's today's topic yep so as you approach investing i think i understand well that you have a short-term approach meaning short-term meaning five to seven maybe ten years at the most Mm -hmm. when you're looking at buying apartment buildings Um, i know a lot of people have a different approach and especially i think in our midwest market we're kind Mm -hmm. of a buy and hold culture if you will and I, i was just mentioning before the show there's some large investors here who um, I've heard say, well, we don't sell properties. We only buy them. So there's kind of different ends of the spectrum. And, and so I think it's important just to kind of understand the mindset and maybe discuss some pros and cons and, and how we should approach that as we are investing. Yeah, so I think there's, uh, there's definitely advantages and disadvantages to both, right? And so I've got properties right now that I've held for uh, 11 years, I think is the longest property I've hold so f- held so far because that's when I started my investing career. But I've got other properties that I've held, you know, f- since the day I bought them and I don't see any change in that uh, happening. And so some of those properties are properties I might keep for, I don't know, forever. I don't know when I will sell them. There, There's no plan right now of selling them. There's no talk about selling them. Um, And then I own other properties that I will sell. I've been selling some strategically recently. Um, And then I've got properties that most of my investors are investing in that we do have a plan to sell. And part, there's a couple reasons for it. Um, so, so, So some advantages, first of all, if you're getting let's call it 30, 50, 100 limited partners in a deal. Everybody's got different opinions and it's easy to set up a business plan that says we're going to sell in in five to seven years because they know they're going to get their money back. They can see the end in sight. It's a lot easier to um, come up with kind of some assumptions, some business model assumptions uh, in the short term versus in the long term, so that's a, that's definitely a reason to do it. Another reason is because you want to grow quickly, right, or as quickly as possible. So you're going to buy a property, you're going to add value to that property, you're going to stabilize it, hold it for maybe a couple of years at the most, and then you're going to sell it. And once you sell it, then you can step up into a larger property through what's called a 1031 exchange. Uh, so that's another probably big advantage is that I can take that property I bought for a hundred thousand, you know, it's now worth 200,000. I sell it. I've got a hundred thousand dollars worth of spread there. Now I can buy my next property for a few hundred thousand dollars and, and continue to go up and I'm not paying any taxes. So that's definitely a big advantage. Um, I think the, the other advantage of doing it is, is if I implement a value-add strategy where I'm doing a renovation to a property, I am now renovating that property. I'm making everything up to today's kind of standards. You know, I'm using today's paint colors and trends. I'm, I've got new cabinets, countertops, appliances, all that kind of stuff. I've got literally 
very little maintenance that I have to do on the property, very little capital improvements I've got to put into it. I've got some stuff that'll break down for sure, but a lot less than a property that's 30 years old. So I implement that value adds, do the renovation, and prior to that stuff looking old, I sell the property. So I can sell it, I can really maximize my dollars on the amount of money I put into the building, right? So I, I get the rents up to market, um, and I've got this brand new looking product that somebody's gonna come in, they're gonna say, hey, this thing looks great, I'm gonna buy it and take it over. What happens is, well, eventually, and eventually is sooner than later, they have to start replacing appliances. They have to start putting in, you know, maybe new furnaces. Um, they're going to eventually have to replace the roof and do all that stuff. So they've got these big capital improvements. Plus, they've got the little expenses, the maintenance expenses of things that just break down because of use. And I don't have that because I sold it fairly quickly and then I recycle and I do it again and I do it again and I do it again. So that's probably maybe my favorite part of it is that I don't go through the life kind of span or expectancy of a lot of the items that we put into the building and have to do a second value add. Um, I like that idea. Yeah, that's a really great points there. What would you say might be some negatives to selling quickly or selling in a short time frame? Uh, sure. Well, you have to find a replacement property, right? And so you have to find something that uh, is going to perform like you want it to. And you've got a very tight time frame. So if you can't find that, then you have to pay taxes. Or maybe you don't want to find that because, or whatever, it doesn't work in your strategy. So you either have to, if you're selling every five years, you're going to have to pay taxes. And that's a big chunk. You know, in the state of Minnesota, uh, we're paying long-term capital gains tax as long as we held it for the intention of being long-term, so a year plus. Um, we have to pay that, which can be, you know, 15, 20%, uh, depending on your income. And we have to pay ordinary income if, with the state of Minnesota. So I've got to pay you know, 10% to my state as well of the profits that I made. So that's a big chunk and I have to do a depreciation recapture. And so it ends up being a pretty hefty bill that I have to pay at the end. And so that can get expensive. So that would definitely be a con is that I got to find a replacement property that works or pay the piper, right? Uh, the The next thing I would say is, I guess it kind of goes along with, with the, the last one, but I've got to find that property that I can implement the same business plan in, the value add. So you're always doing that construction phase. You're, you're always being more labor intensive, right? And so it's definitely harder to buy a property, to implement the value add strategy, go through that whole process than it is to just buy a property and let it cash flow. So, so that would definitely be another con is it takes a, it's a lot more work. It's a lot more intensive up front. Um, it's, you know, finding the property, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, 
there, I mean, it's a process to go through just the transaction, yeah. uh, working with a broker or not, uh, working with buyers and sellers, working with attorneys, closing company. Uh, it, there's a, you know, a process to it. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, I think it really depends a lot of, you know, what's your plan uh, with these properties and then just what's your vision? What are, what are you trying to set yourself up for too? I mean, if you're trying to grow uh, your company as quickly as possible with being responsible, of course, then buying and selling makes sense because you are able to then reuse your capital um, and, and grow that. Now, if you're in the right market, buying and refinancing works extremely well also. That's how I was able to scale my, my smaller rentals was buy uh, for a deep discount, do the renovation, do, you know, implement a, the, the little value add, get the tenants in there, and then I was able to refinance and pretty much pull all the capital and sometimes actually even more capital than I had into it. I was able to pull out. So that's a great strategy can be utilized in large multifamily as well. If you can buy right in a market like today, it's harder to buy right and truly pull that much capital out. We might be able to pull a little bit out, but it's hard to pull all of it out. So Again, it, it, it's going to depend on, on what your strategy is. I like both personally. And that's, you know, I, I've been thinking more and more about buying some, what I would call legacy apartments uh, and introducing that to some of my investors uh, where we're, we're buying based on keeping the property for the foreseeable future. We might keep it for 30 years. We might keep it for, longer. We don't have a business plan that says we're going to sell the building any particular time. We're holding it for long-term cash flow. We're, you know, implementing a value add likely, and then we're going to hold it. And then we're going to strategically implement value adds throughout the project or sell, you know, as needed in the future, but there's no particular date on that. And, and so I do still like that strategy. Uh, especially when you can find a property where you can refinance and pull a large portion of the investor capital back out of it, because then it really makes sense. If I, if, if you invest a hundred thousand with me and I can give you 50,000 of your money back yet, you maintain the same amount of ownership as prior. That makes a lot of sense because now you're really making good money on your money and we can just sit back and collect the cash flow. So, um, so it depends on the strategy and the business and the growth and, and all that kind of stuff. But I, I, I like both strategies a lot. Yeah. Well, I can see how the business plan and business strengths uh, can play a role in it. You know, if you're really great at those value add renovations, like you talked about um, and you enjoy going through that process, you know, that can be a really great, role for you. If, if yeah. you're really great at managing uh, the long-term day-to-day uh, -day operations of the property, and not, maybe not necessarily you yourself, or, but, but having that type of business, um, you know, then holding it longer term can be great too. Yeah. And that's just it, John. It's different business models, right? I mean, the one business model is the more of the construction business model. We're, 
we're turning and some people do it even more than me. I mean, some people will buy a building that's completely vacant or that's just like a complete wreck um, and an apartment complex and they'll do a value add to it. They're going to come in, they're going to try to slam as many tenants in there as quickly as possible, do a quick value add and then sell it as quickly as they humanly can. Um, and knowing there's a lot of meat left on the bones for the next person to do a, the, the rest of the value add. That's a strategy that some companies employ. Other companies are like me where they're going to take something that's distressed and do a value add. Uh, other companies are like some of my friends that'll take a property that's in really good condition. It's 95 plus percent occupied. Uh, they're going to do, they're going to put three to five grand per unit in there and then try to raise the rents from there. There's, there's all kinds of different value add strategies. It depends on what you're doing. And again, there's all kinds of different holding strategies too. The nice thing about holding for long-term is we can, we can buy differently too. I think the competition right now is in the value add quick, shorter term kind of turn. And when you go, oh, somebody just beat me out in this property, I don't know what, how they could pay that much. Well, if you don't have any intention to sell, you're not as worried about what the value is necessarily today or in the future because you know eventually it's just going to keep on going up. Um, so you're worried. Your concern is what's my cash flow and what's the stability of that cash flow? And then what are my chances in 30 years, I'll still have good, stable cash flow. Um, you know, that's, that's a different strategy than I got to turn and burn this thing. Yeah. Well, I think that just talks about, um, you know, market cycles. We've talked a lot about that in the past. And I think depending on where we are at in the market cycle may depend, may um, determine uh, your going in business plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, we always want to be at the low end, but, yeah. um, you know, but that's not realistic. Right. Market cycles are things that we cannot control typically. So Yeah, and, and I don't care as much about a market cycle. Again, I, I have to be prudent, but I don't care as much about a market cycle if I'm going to keep this thing forever because we, we know through history that our real estate prices are, always rise. I mean, inflation always happens. And so we know that we don't, we don't really care if we, if we only care about cash flow, we don't care about future appreciation because we're not planning on selling it. That's a different focal point than if we care about appreciation. So we're just going to focus on does this in cash flow? Again, is it stable cash flow? And will it still cash flow in 30 years? We want to look for areas that are good and continue to expand and not going to become a blighted neighborhood. Uh, and then, you know, we're looking at the possibility of, of rent growth throughout. Yeah. Hey, we're going to take a quick break and I want to mention a few things. First of all, I've been doing some coaching and I want to continue to kind of expand that slowly and, and take on a few clients. And, and up until recently, I didn't really believe uh, in coaching and, and uh, you know, taking courses and stuff like that. But I recently, or I shouldn't say recently, it's been, it's been a, a few years now, hired a, a coach and saw a immediate results and have been very happy with it and decided 
you know, as my teaching background, I wanted to do some coaching myself and help other people get the results that I was able to achieve. And so if you're at that point where you think that's the spot for you, or maybe you just want to explore if it's right for you, uh, you know, reach out to me. I'd have a free discovery call with you. We want to make sure that it is the right step for you to take. There might be other things that you can do to get success. Uh, and coaching might not be it, but let's have that discovery call to find out if that is uh, the step that you need to take. So it can really make a major impact in your business and get you to that next level. Uh, the other thing is John Stiles. He's on this show every single week uh, with me on the Hump Day Hustle. And John Stiles is a real estate agent in, in Minnesota, and he will help you find a good, good investment property. John is very knowledgeable and can help you find an investment property. It can also help you sell your investment property. So reach out to John Stiles with Bridge Realty and uh, connect with him. He'll also, you know, consult with you and, uh, and make sure you guys are the right fit. So uh, give him a call if you're in Minnesota, reach out to him. Uh, he'd love to help as well. Back to the show. So um, as people are looking for more properties to buy and we're in this environment where inventory is low and part of the reason is because a handful of those property owners are buying to hold forever. Um, what would you say would be a good way to get their attention, maybe get them to change their mind? Well, I think for one, it can, it can be difficult, right? Because they, a lot of people, again, they, they just don't want to sell. And especially in the Midwest, like we, people here just don't like to sell or upper Midwest, Minnesota. Uh, people don't like to sell. They want to hold it forever. Uh, their parents, grandparents might have even owned the thing and they still, it's still in the family. So, I think that can be difficult. I think uh, how do you get them there? I mean, that's not my I really my expertise because I don't. Uh, I, I, all my properties are typically coming through brokers. Um, but you know, I think you just have to show them the profit that they're going to be making and, and what they can put that you know that money towards uh, that they can ten thirty one into another building that type of stuff and, and try to show them why it makes sense for them to sell that asset. And, you know, if they say, well, I was going to, I want to keep this forever. Well, let's sell this one and then buy, you know, that, that one's only a hundred units. Let's sell the hundred unit. Let's buy a 200 unit for yourself and then keep that until you die. You know? Um, so I think, you know, showing them different strategies probably would be a good idea. Uh, and just talking to them about the pricing with today's market, where it's at, what truly they could get for it. Uh, I know one of the brokers that I work with, uh, he's talked about that a lot. Like, you know, do you want to sell? No, I'm not going to sell. Do you want to sell? Are you sure? I got buyers. Nope, nope, nope. I said, well, what if I can get you, you know, $10.2 million? Would that, would you want to sell then? Well, yeah, yeah, if you got me a, enough for 10.2, I'd consider selling, you know, and, and then he gets an offer for 10.5 and the property gets sold. So there's that strategy too, obviously, is trying to figure out what's that number. Most people have a magic number. Yeah, yeah I would say usually there's a magic number or 
there's a pain point with the property. Um, I think especially when it's going down to another generation or somewhere where the business plan and business model broke down. Um, Cause a lot of people, as we talk about too, they get into investments without a plan. Yeah. And so then they're not making as much money as they could or should, or had planned on. Um, and, and then the, the property becomes a pain point rather than a, a great cash flow opportunity. So, yes. Yeah. And that's, that's a good point. And, and, always be marketing to them because you know, you never know. Yep. Cool. Um, anything else you want to cover with long-term versus kind of short-term strategy? I think that's probably it. Uh, be great to have our listeners and viewers weigh in on this topic. You know, are you in investments for the long-term or are you looking to buy and sell again in a couple of years? Um, what's your experience with other interacting with other uh, players in this field. So it'd be great to get your input on our Facebook page, uh, Pillars of Wealth Creation, um, or right on the, on the episode here on YouTube or on SoundCloud. There's lots of different ways you can connect with us and comment on the show. Yeah. And, and I don't think it has to be either or either. You know, I think you can, it can be both. You know, I was talking with my wife just the other day and saying, hey, in, in another... I think it's like 14 years, another 14 years, we'll have like, like 12 properties paid off and then several more shortly thereafter. But I'm like, well, if 12 properties paid off, I think it was, I think it was, maybe it was 12 years, another 12 years. And she's like, that's still 12 years from now. I said, well, yeah, but 12 years is going to come up pretty quick. And there's, there's some kind of, uh, you know, nice, that's a nice feeling. Now, I don't know if I ever will get to the point where I pay them off. I might either sell them before that or refinance that. But just knowing that, hey, in 12 years, I'll have, you know, a dozen properties paid off. And then shortly thereafter, I'll have about another dozen paid off. I could. Uh, that's kind of a nice feeling to, to have. And we'll see what I decide to do with that. But uh, there's there's different strategies. and Again, you could have both in your business model and it, it would still work. Yeah. Cool, John. Well, um, you've, already, you've already told everybody where to go. And I think that's it, man. So make every day a Saturday. You too. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. A couple things before we go. Again, go on to our Facebook page, Pillars of Wealth. We'd love to have you on there. Go on to iTunes, give us a rating and review, and subscribe to the show. Also, um, you know, don't forget, reach out to me if you want any help with uh, potentially growing your business, and reach out to John Styles to help you buy or sell real estate. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Have a fantastic the rest of the day, and as I say, make every day a Saturday.